So we finished our delightful little day in Allenworth yesterday, having uh, come up from Amble. So it's uh, not a bad place to start again. So uh, make your way to Allenworth um, from the A1, it's clearly signed. Um, we never really looked at the, the golf courses in uh, Allenworth. It's a, it's a strange spot because there are two golf courses in uh, Allenworth. There's the... Uh, wonderful um, nationally renowned course of uh, Foxton at Foxton Hall which is uh, um, the Duke of Northumberland's patronage um, and also there's a village nine hole village golf uh, course at the at the bottom of the um, the village where the uh, the river meets the sea this little golf club is the fourth oldest in the in the world, in fact, um, designed by James Braid, um, as it is now, um, and it used to be 18, but uh, at the uh, request of the Duke, who when he requests up here people just do, uh, to buy the uh, nine holes from the uh, village golf course, and he added that to the nine holes he had on at Foxton which makes a beautiful golf course, as I've said. So um, we are past the schooner, the uh, Hotel the Schooner, which is perhaps the most haunted hotel in uh, the United Kingdom, so it, it boasts. Um, I myself have had a dry sherry or three in there on odd occasions and certainly haven't seen one, but uh, there are those that uh, are terrified by the place. So out of Almouth turn left over the bridge again and at the roundabout we will turn right and we go into the village of Lesbury. Marvellous little place whose inhabitants are of course known locally as Lesbrians um, which of course doesn't do a great deal for the house prices but uh, anyway that's what they're called. The uh, church is a delight and I commend you to it. It's Saxon, um, uh, some lovely stained glass. But one of the best things that uh, uh, the church is remembered for is a, a vicar, a splendid vicar, Patrick McLevin. I don't know how that is pronounced, but I think that's what it is. Anyway, he died in 1659. And at that point, he claimed to be 110 years old and had grown three new teeth at the age of 103. But um, I remember him most for his wonderful quote. Um, he said, Of books and friends, good and few are best. Uh, wise words from a, a wise man. So, um, carry on from uh, Lesbury towards Annick. Um, on your uh, right-hand side, as you go under the railway bridge, the uh, bridge that carries the railway between Edinburgh and London, um, there's a big hill, and this was known as Plague Hill, because this is where all of the inhabitants of Lesbury in the plague, during which the great vicar that I told you about, Patrick, um, would come and minister to all of the people that had been left there to die, having been brought out from the village. So that's Plague Hill. 
Um, now, it's a, a little not difficult to find, but it's easy to miss, if you know what I mean. As you uh, have gone through a little spot called Hawk Hill, um, and there's a little industrial estate, which is a curiosity, on the right-hand side. After that, uh, half a mile, on your right-hand side is a very, very narrow road. You'll see the uh, sign to it, so take that and go very slowly and gently up it. And as you come up, you will see you're going towards what looks like a bit of a castle perched on a crag. Um, this is what it might look like, but in fact it isn't. What it is, uh, it's a folly. And it was built there, I think, by the third Duke of Northumberland. And he had said to his uh, uh, lovely Duchess, uh, I'm going to do a spot of observing. So I'm going to build an observatory at Ratchef. And she said, I think, well, that'll be very nice, dear. Yes. So anyway, so he, he built this in its, as it's in its current form. Um, however, whilst he was at court uh, by himself one day, the uh, Duchess thought she'd uh, have a little tootle out to see this uh, observatory. Um, so she uh, got a carriage uh, and a horseman and they went out over the carriageway to uh, Ratchiff, to the folly as it's known. Um, and when she got there, she was astonished to find it was beautifully furnished red bookcase and silks and a fine cocktail cabinet and all the bits and pieces. And she immediately knew, um, as the fair sex does, that um, this is where the Duke was uh, having his dalliances. That was his observation. So she uh, asked the footman to lock the door as she left. And when she got back to the castle, she instructed all the uh, estate workers, the uh, uh, agricultural men, to uh, dig up the carriageway to Ratchiff, which they did uh, in time for the Duke's return. And when he saw it, apparently he never said a word. That was uh, that. Was that. It was all over. The uh, local pointer point with the uh, it is the uh, this is the Percy Hunt's pointer point site, and it's laid out as a lovely little race course at the other side of this folly, Ratchet Folly, um, and what a cracking day out that is if you're ever in the area when you see a sign for it, the Ratchet Pointer Point. So, taking the road that you are on, uh, you'll come to a crossroads. Um, it's a very narrow road, so do beware. And when you get to the crossroads, you'll see the signpost uh, right it takes you to uh, or points you towards Long Houghton. So this is the uh, the route you take. You go to Long Houghton. Um, there is no short Houghton in uh, in my understanding. However, there may be, but not locally. So go on to Long Houghton. You're under a, a bridge again. And as you approach the village, you'll see a f the fine church on your left, and there are two turnings to your right. The first takes you back to Lesbury, and the second one is signposted to Boomer, B-O-U-L-M-E-R. 
Now, in former times, if you ever wanted any gin or any contraband, you went to Boomer. That was the sign. Boomer for gin. Um, so you take this road down to Boomer, and you will be astonished. After about uh, three-quarters of a mile, you'll come across the best bit of parking you've ever seen in your life. Because there, on the side of the road, is a full uh, uh, phantom jet, aeroplane, fighter jet, standing dead in front of you. Wow. Uh, and that's guarding the gates or announcing the presence of RAF Boomer, uh, an active RAF station whose principal occupations are in tracking um, uh, hostile fighters or hostile activity over the North Sea. Um, and until recently was the home of a uh, 212 squadron of seeking helicopters that uh, operated air-sea rescue. But they've now gone north to Lucas in Scotland uh, to guard the oil rigs. So, on towards Boomer, um, you'll see in a lovely little strand of cottages in front of you when you get to the T-junction at the end. Um, turn right, and on your left, after a couple of hundred yards, you'll come across the most enervating site. It's uh, the Fishing Boat Inn, um, the FBI. The FBI, as it is locally known. Anyone going to the FBI, that's where they're, they're off to Boomer, uh, to the Fishing Boat Inn. It's an exceptionally fine place to uh, have some lunch because they've got an extension that overlooks the great expanse of the North Sea and Boomer Steel, uh, a rocky inlet where the local cobles of the um, crustacean fishermen um, have their boats which they have towed up for them by a tractor you'll see a little bit further along on the links there uh, in the case of inclement uh, weather. And there's also a small lifeboat station here too. If you were to go left at the junction, you would come along to the Sugar Sands eventually. And, but I'll tell you how to get there a little later. So go back the way you came until you get to uh, Longhouten. Turn right, uh, unless you'd like to uh, visit the little church which is well rewarding. It's so petite um, and delicate, even though it is of Saxon origin. Um, I think the maximum congregation in there is about 30. So go through the village, which is dominantly uh, uh, used for the dormitory requirements of the RAF station at Boomer, so its architecture may not be too appealing to you. However, um, through the village, uh, head out towards Embleton. Uh, the road will bear very, very sharp, uh, a right angle right. And then after um, 300 yards, you can either go straight on to the signpost that says Howick and Howick Gardens, or you go left to Embleton. So you're going straight on, because you're going to have a look at Howick Hall. So Howick Hall is uh, 
a place of great delight. It um, was built in um, 1782 and it is huge. It's the only word for it, but beautifully proportioned. Um, it's now abandoned, but it was for many years the home of the Grey family, amongst whose titles was the um, Earls of Howick, Lords of Howick. Um, perhaps its most famous inhabitant was uh, the Lord Grey who got the uh, Reform Bill through uh, Parliament and for this is remembered by a monstrously big statue in the centre of Newcastle, the Grey's Monument that you may see if you go into uh, uh, the centre of Newcastle. The, um, the other Grey of merit, and well not merit, but of, uh, of note, was the Earl Grey who was the Viceroy of India and he is alleged to have sent home for three barrels of fresh water from the Howick Burn, the burn that flows underneath or, or by the, uh, the hall. And he had this shipped out to him because he had found uh, a particular brand of tea that he was fond of and he'd had it blended with some bergamot um, and in a, a fit of inspiration and thus Earl Grey tea was born and has now uh, enjoyed and consumed internationally on a, a very regular basis. The uh, turning uh, left, yeah, it's left as you go down this road uh, towards Howick Gardens underneath the wonderful chestnut trees, monstrously big chestnut trees, past Redstead's farm. On your left you'll see a little road, it's metalled, but just very tiny, and this takes you to uh, the church, the family church of, uh, of, of Howick and its hall. But it also affords you the most wonderful view of the place. Now, the current Lord Howick, uh, well, still lives on the estate, um, has abandoned everything but his gardens. He's a, a tree collector, an arboretum, I think they're called, um, and this is his hobby. Others collect stamps and some coins, but when you get a bit further up the ladder you can afford to collect trees, and this is what he does. Um, so much so that uh, there's the most uh, 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 instructive walk through the estate following the burn uh, east towards the sea where the Howick burn meets the sea at the Sugar Sands which the signpost earlier on in Boomer pointed you to um, there is the, uh, the end of the walk but you will see trees that you have seen nowhere else in the United Kingdom when you do this the, the long walk it's called um, the gardens uh, can take your breath away, particularly the delphiniums in the uh, in the early springtime. So do have a look at that if you can. I think you can get a cup of tea there also. And guess what it is? Yes, you're right. Um, I like just to point out that there's a cricket pitch here. Um, I used to play on it in uh, former times. And it's a hell of a hawk to get a ball to the boundary here. But it um, 
one of the few halls or uh, privately owned cricket grounds in the United Kingdom. So you have a lovely time in the gardens and then exit and turn left and head off towards Crester. Um, after about a mile on a very straight road, the road turns 90 degrees left to become parallel to the coast. Um, and that's the point you go very slightly right and park. There should be, or there will be, a few cars there. So if you park there, um, you may then access what is called a rumbling churn. Um, it's an, an, a curious rock formation. It's been uh, obviously volcanic um, and it is a, uh, a hole. Uh, it's the biggest rock pool you've ever seen and possibly the deepest. And it's bridged by a windstone outcrop um, very close to the sea. And at high tide and with uh, uh, an easterly wind, a strong easterly gale, it forces the water, the North Sea, through this uh, uh, little channel up into the pool and the spume flies up like a boiling kettle out from it. Uh, and while it's doing that, it uh, moves very greatly the, the subterranean boulders of Winston that are underneath or at the bottom of the pool and they rumble, they, they clang together and it's a very eerie sound but uh, it may well be that you can hear it when you're there but the, the strand of sand that it's on uh, this little promontory is a divinely beautiful spot to, uh, to picnic um, and you're welcome to uh, get there along the footpath that is uh, through the land of Tommy Thompson, the fa local farmer there. Um, having uh, rumbled your churn, uh, uh, as one does, you may be inclined now to uh, head off to Craster, which is where we set off for. So uh, follow the road along Craster and you'll see on your right-hand side some very uh, spooky-looking uh, rocks. These are the uh, the windstone sill um, at its best at a place called Howick Scar. Um, eventually you'll come on your right-hand side after about another half mile to a, a very well uh, maintained and uh, almost tailored windstone wall and this is the curtilage of the uh, tower of uh, Sir John Craster as it used to be. It's um, uh, a wonderful Peel Tower but it's in private hands still within the Craster family th through the female line um, and for many years it was thought that it was the longest continually inhabited um, uh, home of a single line. The Cresta line were there in 1208 and continue there to this day. So uh, follow the the, uh, the wall and then there's a, a crossroads, turn right, the finger post says to Cresta, so that's where you're going. As you go under the trees here you'll see what looks like a bridge in front of you. It's a sort of 
mock tower gatehouse, the big archway you must go under. Um, and just before that, on your left hand side, is the entrance to the uh, Cottage Inn at Dunstan, fine place for a dry sherry. And on the other side is a little garden centre and a cafe. So you have two choices for refreshment if you so choose. Or if not, underneath the arch, passing the uh, uh, football pitch on your left of the uh, Cresta Windstone Rovers. What a body of men. Uh, feared throughout the land. Uh, down to the bottom of the, uh, the hill, turn to your right and you are heading for the most congested village in the United Kingdom, uh, Craster. However, it is only congested because it is so beautiful and you will be captivated by it. Now, if you can, turn to your first right and you will be guided to the car park. And if there are spaces, hopefully there are, um, you will be in the quarry. And this is the quarry that was on the Craster estate that um, quarried the windstone of this dolerite, harder than granite, um, was mined or carved out of the, uh, the windstone sill by uh, many of the local people in Craster. And they had... Um, uh, fashioned the uh, uh, the windstone into curb stones with their hammers a great skill marvelous thing to watch um, and these coins as they were called our cobles were shipped from the harbor in Craster to uh, London and if you're in London all of the paving stones all of the curb stones in the city of London are made out of the uh, the curbstones that were quarried here in uh, in Craster. So walk into Craster from the car park, um, and you will be confronted immediately by the harbour. Beautiful harbour, lovely. Um, hopefully the tide may be in, in which case you see the cobles all uh, perhaps tied up. Um, but this used to be um, a, a port also. The Craster family shipped all their uh, quarried stone from, from here for, uh, for many years. But now it's just um, used by the locals for fishing for uh, crustaceans, lobsters and crabs, which are delicious. Uh, and of course, um, salmon and sea trout, migratory fish uh, off the coast. As you go in front of the harbour to your left, the lovely uh, whitewashed cottages, and then beyond them is Dunstanborough Castle, which we're going to go to in a minute. That's the north side of the village, as it's known. As you go to your right, which you will do, down past the little lifeboat station, that's to the south side, um, and then up the hill, and there on your left is the Jolly Fisherman. And if ever a pub was well named, it is this, because jolly it certainly is uh, now, I believe still, but in the past it used to rock. Um, the current owner has uh, bijoued it, if that's the word, 
into a wonderful um, restaurant serving fresh seafood, which you can actually see where it uh, was caught. Uh, most of the food they put on the plate is, was in the sea about 20 minutes before that. Um, and uh, a fine selection of ales, all beautifully served. And opposite that, you, uh, you may have a look at it and you will think, my heavens, uh, 999 comes to mind. Uh, why would that be? Because it's billowing with smoke. What's that? Well, it's smoke. You're absolutely right, but it's wood oak smoke. And the, it's the oak shavings and the oak um, powder, uh, that, that sawdust, that is being used to produce the wonderful Craster Kipper. Now this is the most meltingly beautiful piece of uh, smoked fish that you could ever hope to buy. Um, these kippers are uh, uh, lovingly uh, tended and produced to the, uh, the ancient recipe held in the Robson family over many generations. Um, currently, Neil Robson, and you may come across him in the kipper yard, will engage you in conversation on this subject for as long as you, ch you choose. He's uh, devoted to, uh, to his art. The Craster Kipper, uh, you should certainly buy to take home as a memory. Uh, a little further into the village, there's the uh, gallery, the lovely gallery, uh, Mr. Oxley's gallery. His work is uh, uh, of great talent and much admired. Uh, and he also um, has on show some works of other local artists, um, and all of which are extremely uh, modestly priced in relation to the talent and dedication that's produced them. Um, the Shoreline Cafe is available equally for those that uh, um, would prefer to uh, eat in cafes as opposed to pubs. So the village caters for these um, uh, um, tourist requirements completely. So that's the south side of the village, which is the uh, sort of... Uh, industrial hub as it were it also contains the lovely little church but if you go up the hill again out towards the village and then keep bearing right um, you will come to the wicket gate and three fields beyond that keeping the sea very clearly on your right you will be at the gates the formidable gates of Dunstanborough Castle what a wonderful building. It's the largest castle site in Northumberland and for miles around, I'm sure, um, and was built in 1313 by Thomas, the Earl of Lancaster. Now, he built this as a secure refuge, um, which it didn't really turn out to be. But um, he had the uh, uh, bad manners, really, to refuse the invitation of Edward II's um, uh, invitation to join him on a little jaunt up into Scotland with about 2,000 other knights to a spot called Bannockburn in 1344. Um, now, as history records, the, uh, the Scots under Robert Bruce defended Stirling Bridge uh, and ambushed the cavalry with their 
a mound of stakes and routed the English. Um, so uh, Thomas wasn't such a bad judge, really. But in order to make it clear to him that uh, when a king invites you to do something, he's actually telling you to, um, Edward called in on his way back to London and burnt the castle. Um, he couldn't burn it to the ground, of course, but uh, nonetheless. The uh, architecture of the castle is brilliant because the, the two round stone towers that uh, form the gatehouse um, had been designed like that to prevent any mining, uh, which was always a, a tool in uh, engaging in uh, siege warfare. Um, English heritage allows you in, of course, with uh, paying a pound or two, and you may go and see the Lilburn Tower, which is the big one on the left-hand side as you go in, seemingly balanced on a knife edge, a tiny little promontory of windstone this huge tower is built upon and is called the Lilburn Tower in honour of the steward of the castle when it was built. Um, if you follow the curtain wall down towards the sea, you'll come across a tower uh, which is the supposed site of Queen Margaret, Queen of Scotland, who uh, escaped to uh, Norway with her son from here when she was being um, pursued in exile uh, from our friends over the border. But um, the most um, important uh, member of the uh, Dunsborough Castle household, I'm sure, is Sir Guy the Seeker. Uh, and it is he that, um, rather quixotically, I suppose, found the uh, doorway to a subterranean set of chambers that housed King Arthur and his knights, all asleep round their round table. And Sir Guy had found this and uh, managed to uh, prize the door, and got into the chamber, and whilst in there, on the round table was a sword and a golden bugle and an eerie voice invited him to make a choice between the two. Um, he chose the bugle. Wrong choice, Guy. No, don't get a second chance. He blew the bugle foolishly and woke all the knights up, uh, and King Arthur, who immediately chased him uh, out of this chamber, uh, and he ran screaming all the way through to Cresta. Um... However, he returns on a regular basis, still looking for this doorway because he can't remember where it was, but he knows the King Arthur's treasures there. So um, if you're there on a, a darkish night and you see a wraith uh, struggling over the battlements, it'll be Sir Guy. Um, and if it is, I'd give him a miss if I were you. So... Look over northwards, uh, well, northwestwards really, um, up the beautiful bay of Embleton, and you'll see uh, the uh, golf course on your left of James Braid. It's Dunstanbrook Castle Golf Course, and a wonderful test of golf, Lynx Golf. Um, and it's to the little village of Embleton that you can see 
uh, a trio left on the skyline on the top of the hill. Um, so we'll uh, reluctantly leave the castle, um, springy step over the three fields, um, don't let the sheep out, back to the car park and we're going to head towards Embleton. So as you exit uh, Craster, um, don't turn left up the, the hill the way you got into it and go through the tower uh, again. Keep on the low road, keep uh, uh, bearing right obviously, um, and eventually you'll come to a crossroads at Dunstan where you would turn right. And as you turn right, do have a look immediately on your left because there is the uh, fortified farmhouse, the, uh, the keep, the bastle of uh, Proctor Steads, it's called. Um, it's still inhabited in private hands. Beautifully uh, uh, little sl uh, slit w windows for the archers to defend it. Um, but this is supposedly the birthplace of Duns Scotius, that uh, uh, medieval philosopher and cleric who went to become Bishop of Achern, um, and he is alleged to have been born here. Um, Proctor Stead still has a, a working dairy, and there aren't many of those around at the moment. But um, keep following the road, coming to T-Junction, turn right towards Embleton, the signpost, and after half a mile, on your left, you'll see a cottage, uh, double-storey cottage and this is the grave digger's cottage of Embleton Cere uh, Cemetery. You will uh, be able to go around that if you choose, if that's your bag. Um, but if not, just adjacent to it, uh, with a lovely car park, is Eleanor's Buyer, it's called. And this is a lovely shop um, owned and designed and uh, imagined by um, Elizabeth Robertson, uh, wife of the local farmer, but locally known as Fred, a delightful lady. And it's her taste and her style that has uh, furnished and also stocked this beautiful little shop and uh, coffee stop. And uh, I should not be able to persuade you otherwise uh, than uh, to go and do a little retail therapy. Having done so, uh, again, Embleton's only half a mile away, turn left, down into the Dean, up the hill, and as you approach Embleton, um, it's nicely signed, what appears to be above it is a, a beehive, and it's not. It's the uh, Elizabethan dovecot of the village of Embleton, um, in which there are nesting holes for over a thousand doves. Uh, and this in medieval times was uh, most useful for providing food for the village, but also for, for uh, ensuring the fertility of the, of the land with the uh, birds' droppings. So into Embleton, lovely little village, very historical, um, it uh, is um, 
renowned for its hospitality, for their uh, uh, three watering holes. There's the Blue Bell, uh, which is a lovely restaurant too, Zambuca, a bit Italian, the Gray's Inn, which is uh, a very formidable watering hole. Um, it's uh, famous for its coit steam, or it was when I was playing for it anyway. And uh, the Dunstanborough Castle Hotel, which is a very fine hotel, many stars, uh, excellent dining room, beautifully run, and uh, a, a place with uh, regular and loyal clientele, which is always the sign of uh, continued quality. The church in Ambleton is a delight, um, the uh, stained glass in particular. But if you go into the churchyard, um, look very slightly to your left and you'll see the peel tower. This is the Vicar's Peel. Um, there's also one like this in Corbridge, that uh, in times of border reaving, the uh, vicar would be able to uh, uh, hide in and uh, lock himself in until... Uh, raiding was over. But uh, again, this is in private hands, so you can only um, look at the external um, geography and, and architecture of it. But it is delightful. Um, in Embleton also, you, uh, you have a nice little memorial to William Steads, uh, and it's on a plaque on the wall opposite... Um, the Dunstanborough Castle Hotel side entrance, just below the shop in Embleton, the lovely shop owned by the Moody family, um, stocking everything, I might add. Uh, but William Stead was a great uh, humanist, and, and more particularly in the uh, um, forced labour of uh, young people. And he was known as an apostle of peace. Um, and he's remembered on his death in... Uh, 1912 uh, on this plaque, William Stead. So if you go up the main street and over the brow of the hill, you whoosh, the next place down the, the bottom of the road would be Norway because it goes nowhere but to the sea. But when you get to the bottom of it, it has the golf clubhouse of Dunsinborough Castle Golf Club which you may have seen when you were visiting Dunsinborough Castle. Now, you might play this course, if you so choose, by paying the green fees. Uh, wonderful test of golf. It actually would be uh, a more acknowledged course were it to have two par fives, but it's only got one, so it doesn't feature on the championship's circuits. But it's certainly worthy of it with its degree of difficulty. But you can uh, have... Uh, uh, a meal uh, or a wee refreshment as they say in the clubhouse because it's um, not a clubhouse in the conventional golf club elitist sense of the word because this course and clubhouse is in private ownership it's owned by a man an engaging man Peter Gilbert um, so you might go in uh, as a member of the public and enjoy the same facilities as all of the members so having done that, um, you could go over the little bridge, the burn, uh, and onto the most wonderful beach. You're in the middle of Embleton Bay there. 
You could walk to your right to Dunstanbrook Castle again if you chose, or you could go to your left. And if you look up to your left, you'll see um, some wooden sort of shacks. They're like they are bathing huts, um, and they're still allowed to be there because they're on permanent lease from the National Trust. But um, very curious sanitary arrangements, I believe. But walk along the uh, the beach. And if it's low tide, and very, 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 very low tide, you may be able to see a rock, a Winston rock, um, on the shoreline, on which is carved Andra Barton, A-N-D-R-A, Andra. And it was he, Andrew Barton, who was the appointed Admiral of the Fleet of James IV of Scotland. And James had built this, or had had built, the uh, biggest warship uh, along the coast, certainly the biggest one in Scotland. And Andrew Barton was his captain, and he was wont to sail it from uh, Leith, from Edinburgh, and plunder the uh, the coast. And he was doing this one day when he ran into Admiral Howard, and he was the son of the Earl of Surrey. Um, who distinguished himself at the Battle of Flodden. The uh, ensuing uh, naval battle didn't last very long because Howard sunk the big ship um, and Andrew Barton, the captain, got ashore somehow and being, or when he got ashore, apparently carved his name in this rock, which you can see at low tide. Uh, It did have quite remarkable consequences, this engagement, because James was so enraged uh, at the loss of his ship that it made a major contribution towards his decision to assist his sister from France uh, in advancing three feet on English ground. Um, And what a bad move that was, because it led him to Flodden Field, where uh, he lost his life and his army and a lot of Scotland's reputation. So there we have it. You're in Embleton or Low Newton, wherever you choose to spend the end of your day, but uh, I most certainly have enjoyed your company and I'm only wishing I could be with you. But I can confidently raise my glass to you and wish you Godspeed. Godspeed.